Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. We're back in the studio after being gone for a bit for Tundra Madness. And it is Tuesday, so during the day today, you will see our Tundra piece. And by the way, everyone's Tundra piece. <laughs> Tundra is for out. everyone. Yes, it, this is the embargo lift day. So you will see a lot of commentary about whether or not the new Tundra and its monster grill are any good. But we are among that group, which we're excited about. Yeah, pretty cool. Toyota flew us to San Antonio, Texas mm-hmm. to drive the truck. And also we took a short tour for part of the plant in part mm-hmm. of the, the San Antonio yeah. truck plant there, which is huge and mm-hmm. has been there longer than I thought. It's been there 18 years. Yeah. And it's absolutely enormous. It's it's a small city. I mean, it, I know manufacturing facilities sure, yeah. are big, but it was really big. It's it's out there. Texas has space, apparently. <laughs> they also have special editions. I saw a Chevy truck that Did was you? a Texas edition. Did you? Texas edition? Yeah. I thought, yeah. good thing we're in Texas because there's your truck. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of them out there. We have uh, some press cars to talk about. We have a, an interesting uh, topic Tuesday where we're talking about forever cars or not forever cars or what do I do now kind of discussions. And I feel like I'm having that talk with a lot of people of late. We also have a cool car debate coming up from Alec, who's, uh, who's, he thought he had it all figured out, and now it's all changed. <laughs> we always think we have it all figured out when it comes to our cars, but yeah, surprise. Well, this discussion has to do with a couple of press cars that we've driven before, mm-hmm. and we wanted to discuss again because we've gotten the newly refreshed, uh, the, the updates, well, especially for this 2021 mm-hmm. Arteon, the Volkswagen Arteon. It's the 2.0 SEL R-Line for motion. Yeah. The total cost was $48,585, $48, almost $49,000 loaded. Now that our line upgrades some things and this 2021 model improves and refreshes some things. Yeah. And personally, I felt like it was not as clinical. We had a couple of questions first from Ben Cohen, who really likes the idea of the Ardeon as a used car. Curious Mm. how sporty it feels to drive. Is it even close to the Mark 7 GTI? And Lord Vader says on the podcast, can we compare it to the Ardeon that we drove prior? Oh, sure. Is this refreshed version 1.5 times better or worth it over the original (laughs) one? Now, he prefers the look of the first one. So all the fancy electronics he says he doesn't care about, but are any of the underpinnings or drivetrain things or driving Mm. dynamics better than the previous one? Give us the juice, bitter or sweet. Well, the juice is that I do like this one better. Do you? Okay. And I like that that 2.0 makes 268 horsepower. It feels pretty quick. Yeah. yeah it that's, doesn't that's feel like That's a good like amount of power, an, that engine. Yes. It yeah. doesn't feel like an almost 4,000-pound car. Mm. And I've forgotten about the Ardeon to recommend when we're talking about sedans mm-hmm. and you need a nice large hatch and you want a sedan and great backseat space and it feels like a large adult car. Yeah, yeah it does. Car for adults, especially mm-hmm. in the back seat. But then I start thinking about the Stinger. That is the weird problem in that whole lineup, isn't it? The Kia yeah. Stinger exists. Mm-hmm. And as much as I like the Arteon, I do like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like that Volkswagen is continuing to refresh it, mm-hmm. and they've upgraded that the, the entire front clip, that grill, yeah, so now yeah, that yeah. signature lighting bar goes all the way across. Mm-hmm. The intakes low down on each side are improved, and they're larger. I like the overall shape better, and that's just by, you know, Virtue of the the front and rear clip, the revised designs. Looks a little more premium to me, yeah. And I've also liked something daring that Volkswagen does, and Mm -hmm. that is a clamshell hood. Mm -hmm. 
the original Volkswagen TT, sorry, Audi TT did this. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And the Toyota Supra, same kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. But to do a clamshell property and properly and get the alignment right, it's difficult because that sheet metal is not mm-hmm. just stamped and then it doesn't have any trim to, to help you out. Yeah, to cover up, yeah. It is just stamped and cut and hemmed mm. and it has to be very precise. If there's a company to be able to do it, it is Volkswagen. Sure, yeah. And those lines are very interesting. They're crisp. And the, the fender surfaces, that, that wheel well arch, is almost a concave surface. Mm. It makes it really distinct. I like what they're doing. Sedans aren't dead yet. But the problem, I keep coming back to the Stinger. Mm-hmm. Because at 48000 almost $49,000, you can mm. get a fully loaded all-wheel drive Stinger yeah. with 100 more horsepower. Yeah, and a lot more space. Well, actually, not that much more space. Not that much more. Got they're pretty, they're pretty comparable. Yeah. Yeah. They're both good. Yeah. But if I'm buying... I, as much as I like the styling of the Ardeon, mm-hmm. wow. And this is the four motion too. So this yeah. is fully loaded R-Line. Yeah, I mean, the, the dynamics are better on the Stinger as well. And it's a slightly larger car. Yes. But I, I, it is interesting. That's well, that not, thing at Volkswagen. Not by much. Well, but I think, not by I, much. I think scale of the car is larger, even though the interior, Volkswagen just kills it on interior. They, they do, do such great things in interior space. The Stinger is big. I mean, Actually, it's like a large car in volume, but there isn't, I don't think, any more interior space than that Ardeon has, which is kind of fascinating, mm-hmm. but it is better dynamically. Well, speaking of dynamics, this is the same MQB platform mm-hmm. that everything else is oh, built yeah. on. When it comes to, to sedans, I actually like that. Oh, sure. I like yeah. that the Golf and the Ardeon mm-hmm. share that same platform because it does give the dynamics mm. closer to a Golf. We don't like it when it's everything trying Tahos to cram onto the and same an atlas yes and yeah for sure yeah because everything drives the same and not in a good way yeah yeah the best of the bunch is that golf the gti mm-hmm. but now this kind of hides its weight and the, the engine you get after it it's a tiny tiniest bit thrashing the upper end but okay it's a two liter mm-hmm. four it's very impressive that that kind of power is coming out of the car but it feels a little bit like an oversized 2013 2012 golf r Oh, interesting. Because the okay. front-wheel drive, yeah. it's primarily a front-wheel drive yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haldex system stuff. And yeah. it just acts like it, but on a bigger scale. But that's no bad thing. Mm-hmm. And the best part about it is it feels friendlier. It doesn't feel quite so mm. clinical. Like, we, we checked all the boxes, but there's mm-hmm. no fun to be had. Don't you dare have any fun. Mm. Don't be whimsical. Don't be interesting. Don't delight. Don't enjoy spending time here. We just <laughs> did a sedan. We gave you a sedan. You asked for a sedan. We gave you a sedan. What's the problem? Question? The original felt very clinical. Yeah. The uh, the matrix, the LED matrix was just bright white pixels mm-hmm. and clinical. You had to plug in your phone to get any sort of surprise and delight, whereas the new one just feels like a little bit less mm. uptight. We relaxed a little bit. <laughs> It was nice. Our, our line for relaxed. I like that. That's I guess good. so, but not in a driving I, I style. But, yeah. but we we made it more friendly, and I I liked it better. So in that case, I like it when car manufacturers update and upgrade those. But many people have had questions, and this is the thought: nobody ever sees them. Yeah. When was the last time you saw right. Ardeon drive by and you went, yes. oh yeah, Volkswagen apparently sells those somewhere, uh-huh. not around here, and probably not around where you live. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm yeah. talking to the audience, not totally. you, Todd. I, I know. To the I, audience. I, absolutely. I don't know where, where they get buying sold. them? I, I hold, when we go to L.A. or we go to other warm climates or anywhere around the country, I don't see Ardeons in traffic, mm-hmm. which is weird because mm-hmm. they are surprisingly cool. That was our feeling on the first one, too. We just kept going, this is overlooked. And I, look, we're guilty as well, but it is amazing how they just don't seem to get bought. The new 
infotainment mm-hmm. is the MIB3. They have mm-hmm. pretty much updated Volkswagen's lineup throughout the throughout uh, everything. It is an all-new touch-sensitive climate control system. I wasn't thrilled with it at first mm-hmm. because it didn't have any knobs to twist, but I did get used to it. It's related to the one on the ID4, isn't it? It it is kind of related, yes. It works. Yeah. And I'm okay with it. I can't say that I love it because mm-hmm. I don't want to slide my finger Agreed. on a blank plastic surface. Agreed. I want a detent in a knob to feel very precise. Where is that? Mm-hmm. It's doable. I, I'll accept that because <laughs> there's colors. I, I hate to say it, but there's interest. There's visual interest. Mm-hmm. There's visual information, and it kind of looks friendly to me. It's not just clinical severe. Yeah. We did it. Here it is. <laughs> Don't have fun. Don't you dare have fun. Why would you have fun? No, it's a Volkswagen product. Don't have fun. We were driving the Nissan Frontier. It came back. We went to the launch, and now all those pre-production cars are working their way through the press fleet, and they said, guys, do you want a Frontier again? And I kind of said, yeah, because I need to haul some stuff. So I hate to say it, but that is the truth. You know how we talk about? But that's okay. Absolutely. We, where we talk about with you guys, we talk about, you know, go rent a pickup for the couple of times you need a pickup. I needed a pickup. We didn't have anything to haul at the press launch. That's true. Absolutely true. So I had, look, I, this is inside baseball here, but I had some dead trees on my land and I needed to get rid of them, which is not <laughs> the way I wanted to spend a Saturday, but it needed to be done. So right. I, I pulled up dead trees. It was super fun. I, I can't even tell you how super exciting it was. Fun. Yeah, it was really exciting. But I did that and I tossed them all in the back of the frontier and I strapped them all down. And it was a couple of interesting things because these aren't big trees. Again, they're dead. So I was able to pull them up. So not big, <laughs> but it isn't a big bed. And it made me think about the fact that technically, and this is what's fascinating, we're talking about these trucks, the Frontier, the new upcoming Hyundai Santa Cruz, if you will, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the Ranger, the Colorado. This is what boggles my mind. Technically, these are referred to as compact pickups. Which I can't believe. And the the ones that are the big boys, the F-150, the Silverado, the Tundra we just drove, are midsize. Folks, I'm sorry. This is mid-size and now full-size because they, they've all grown so much. The Frontier is huge. No, I mean, compared to like old, mm-hmm. uh, small, actual compact pickups. And it's interesting, driving it around here locally on roads we know, I didn't like the ride as much as I did at the press launch, which was also here, which was oh, interesting. Really? So you were driving on I very familiar think, roads. Yeah, I still think it's okay. better than the prior Frontier, for sure. They've oh, absolutely sure. made yeah, it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but we were driving on roads a little less familiar to us, even though they were close, on the press launch, and we really liked it, some good freeway stuff, and we did some really cool off-roading. But I was just loading it up with stuff. It doesn't have a big back seat because that's what these compact pickups, that's the trade-off. It doesn't compact. have a big back seat. Yeah, they're exactly. huge. They're, they're absolutely right. Uh, that, that's the thing. It's bigger. We just have our, our new sports cars, that, new old sports cars, right? Our cars of the past, right? And I parked that. Nissan Frontier, so mm-hmm. sister company, right? Same mm-hmm. company, yeah. next to my 300ZX, and it looks like a monster truck, and it's a compact yeah. pickup, but I filled it up with all this stuff, took it to the dump. It was great, not because I like going to the dump, because I don't. Did a dump run, huh? Yeah, but I did awesome. a dump run. Yeah, apparently that, apparently it's it's something that old men like focus themselves on, because my dad keeps talking about dump runs. I don't even know what he's throwing out, but anyway. My dad so, went to the dump a lot in Alaska. It's the craziest That's thing. what you do. My father-in-law like had it on the calendar. I'm going to the, oh, well, you know, Tuesday. I got to the good there. I was like, what are you throwing away? I mean, the best part anyway, of Alaska is that's where all the eagles are. That is. Because it's the, the dump. Big, They're the scavengers. The big majestic bald eagle that is all about America. Symbol of America. Hangs out at the dump. That's where you find them. Because that's where you can get stuff easy. Yeah. So, but no, <laughs> the, the thing is, I found myself just jumping in the frontier to just go do something real quick. Because it's just easy. Nice. And I yeah. feel like this yeah. is the pickup size that makes sense for most 
roads and most people. But what you see is the, I'm going to call them full size, the F-150 scale pickups, the Silverado, the Dodge Ram, the new Tundra. That's what you see most people Mm -hmm. driving. And I'm just, they're massive. I want it to be useful in it. That's what we like about the Ridgeline. Mm-hmm. And the Frontier was targeted at the Ridgeline yes. as far as its ride quality mm-hmm. and ride capability, but doing more things than a Ridgeline. They wanted it to be the Tacoma as an off-roader and the Ridgeline as, as their on-road capability. And you know what? Honestly, I think uh, uh, so far the refresh stuff we've driven from Nissan, which most of it's been pretty good, I think it's the one they knocked the furthest out of the park. I, I agree. really like the Frontier update. I think they nailed it. So we were in a recent business meeting and talking to somebody there who was looking at trucks because he wanted to feel more manly. <laughs> yes. And he wanted to get out of an SUV. I forget what he had, but he was renting a Dodge Ram, a full-size mm-hmm. Dodge Ram. And we said, well, we've got the Nissan Frontier. One yeah. of us drove yeah, it yeah. here. You got to come downstairs and look at this thing. And it was nice because many of you were looking for our confirmation for what you want in debates. Mm -hmm. And it was nice because I thought I I like the truck. I would buy one. If I'm looking for a pickup truck, I don't really want any bigger than that. And it still does all those things like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And he came downstairs and went, wow, this is cool. Look at that front end. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what I'm looking for out of yeah. a truck. And I I guess I don't really need the big one because of well, yeah. you know, list, 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 all the things that I'm going for. And it was nice to hear his confirmation of what I thought. Totally. It's like, I, I, am I in a vacuum over here? I I like it. And, oh, you're a potential buyer. Uh-huh. Well, and you, okay, get in it. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing is he was talking about, again, he had the, the full size. I'm going to call it that again. He had the current Dodge Ram as a rental. He had kind of looked at Raptors, but was like, I don't know if I can do that big, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm interested. And then he realized that pretty much as soon as he looked at the Frontier, and we told him, we're like, the back seats aren't big. And he was like, yeah, and he's kind of a bigger guy. And he was like, yeah, the back seats aren't big enough. But then you could watch the light bulb happen. I don't know if you saw that happen with him. You could watch the light bulb happen. And he realized, wait a minute, my use for this is going to be me and my son, who's like late teenage son, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the two of them taking their bikes or their kayaks places. Yeah. yeah. So the back seat. Now, doesn't matter that it's small. Because he realized, as he was talking with us, he was like unpacking it in real time. It was fascinating. He realized that when the whole family goes somewhere, they're never going to take his pickup anyway. Whatever he gets, they have a minivan for that, and it's perfect Mm -hmm. for him. He's got multiple kids, and that's what they take when they all go somewhere. So the pickup doesn't need to do that. We're talking about cars for jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The pickup doesn't need to do it. It just needs to be like the toy hauler. And then he and his son are going to be the ones in it. And he was like, this is actually big enough for me. It was a fascinating conversation. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Scott R. is up in Wisconsin asking us if he should keep a car forever. He says, what are the differences in shopping for a car that you plan on keeping forever or a car you just own for a while? Mm -hmm. Do people think out buying cars in a plan or pairs or just random selections? (laughs) I bumped into this car and I bought it. That's happened. That happens plenty. Absolutely happens. Scott has always thought a 911 and a Suburban for winter would be a perfect two-car garage. Mm -hmm. 
Now, the Suburbans are rather poor in durability and reliability. What? I thought they were pretty good. Uh, yeah. Well, but then he says, so I'm thinking Land Cruiser or Toyota Sequoia. <laughs> of course. But, but here's the crazy thing. Here we are in Salt Lake, side rant. Here we are in Salt Lake, okay? And the impression is, and we've heard this before, that Suburbans are terrible and don't survive over time, and Land Cruisers are the greatest thing ever. We've heard this a lot. Yes, Here we, we are in an off-road mecca. Also, here we are in a place that puts down an awful lot of salt. Okay, if you Great want, Salt Lakes, if right you like here. to corrode something, we can do it in yeah. this area all winter. And and the truth is, okay, let's go back. Let's just jump back twenty years around the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. I don't see a ton of Land Cruisers driving around, and when I do, I hate to say it, they're rusty. And yep. you know what? I see about as many early two thousand Suburbans as I do Land Cruisers. Now, obviously, this is you know I'm just this is empirical evidence. To- this is based it, on it, experience. It's it's yes. not, it's actually not empirical. It's just a- anecdotal of me saying uh, yeah, you know okay anecdotal. It, fine. It's me saying this is what I've seen. But I keep thinking about the fact that the environment we're talking about is the hardcore truck environment. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of Suburbans and, and Tahoes and stuff driving around that are that old, and I don't see monster rust on those. And when I see a Land Cruiser from that area, that's got a lot of rust. Doesn't mean the Land Cruiser isn't running great. I don't know what they've done to maintain their Suburban, but the impression is that the Land Cruiser is this bulletproof thing, and if it was, where are all of them? You just it, the Middle East, I guess, because you, it's not like you see that all, all the Land Cruisers from 2000 are driving around. You notice them because you're like, oh my gosh, there's one. Like Kansas, the Middle East. I guess, I, I suppose. Well, Scott says the Porsche 911 is still in his buy list. Okay. If he can find one while he's shopping, if mm-hmm. he can afford it. Mm-hmm. He's had a two-car garage planned forever, but that's now at the window. His neighbor sold him a 95 BMW 325i Auto okay. that is Wisconsin salty. That's salty. <laughs> that can also describe people's temperament. It can be. Be careful. Don't Some people talk get to Wisconsin salty. Yes. Okay. Ooh, I like Wisconsin that. That's salty. good. This car has complete records, and he uses it to teach his daughter about good brakes and handling and seats. It's not a great car, but he can't replace it without adding a lot of money. Mm-hmm. He's also got an 01 Ford F350 manual V10. Wow, that's cool. But it is rusty. But in great condition. Mm-hmm. Is, that's mutually exclusive. Right? Well, what that tells me is he's got body rust. I mean, you have some on I your suppose. expedition. He's got body rust, but yeah. just mechanically just yeah. runs. And your expedition feels like the unkillable thing. So I totally get what, what he's saying. Ideally. Well, Scott says, with the shortage of great manuals, he feels the need to buy a cheap rear-drive sports car like a Boxster Z4 or a 330 BMW. Okay. So now he thinks he has a four-car plan. <laughs> okay. I love it. Good. Well, Scott, nobody, when they're furnishing their home has 80 grand to spend and clears out everything in their house and says, I want it all to match. Mm. I want it all to be, of course, different rooms, but kind of the same style. We're either going for, you know, a very contemporary look or we're traditional or, we're, mm-hmm. you know, transitional furniture or we're mid-century modern, whatever that is. And you've got 80 to $100,000 and you're buying the nice couch, the forever couch. And you're buying the dining room table mm-hmm. that we'll, you'll hand down to your grandson, granddaughter. no. You've collected it in pieces over the years. That's you might point. still have a piece in your house from college. You might still have a piece in your house from old dead relatives. That's the that problem. That happens too. You inherit a piece of furniture mm-hmm. and it stays around because it's really well built and it was worth something in sentimental value. Yeah, and absolutely. I could probably get 50 bucks for it at a garage sale. So that will stay. Uh-huh. But now that is mismatched to everything else. That mm-hmm. is my taste. Totally. And also, nobody really figures out without you know having allocated dollars to do so what is what is my taste in furniture mm-hmm. i get what's cheap 
And what I can afford at the time. And, and it what fills works. the need. Yeah. So it's kind of like when it comes to cars. Mm. I know very few people that have planned out their garage completely. I mean, you're one of them. Mm-hmm. But it's still in progress. Mm-hmm. You've told us changing. it's still yeah, in progress. For sure. And so I think people are reactive to the needs at the time. Mm-hmm. And also perception. We've talked a lot about safety in Subarus and what they've done to perpetuate the, it's not a myth, but it's, it's this thing about if you get the latest safety systems, you'll be safer. Mm-hmm. And you could ignore good driving skills like looking over your shoulders, you're backing up. Well, but they've also made people equate all-wheel drive is safer. Mm-hmm. They've, they've made yes. people equate that for sure. So if you're planning out your car shopping, you're still planning it for that moment in time because mm-hmm. who buys a forever car? Unless, of course, it's a Jaguar E-Type or... Well, if, if you you're know, collecting, I, I that's different, car. but not for the that cars is. you're going to drive, yeah. Well, so, all right, if you don't have a forever car and Land Cruisers don't last forever... <clears throat> they do last. I will give them yeah, that. Yes. <laughs> Many other cars do. <laughs> yes, for, for sure. Absolutely. But I think it's based on taste and it's based on your ability to afford something from your past that you never got. Mm-hmm. 911s. Mm-hmm. Anything like that. But then you're also responding to needs. So that will make the perfect car, the perfect garage at that moment in time. Are you going to hang on to that 325i forever? Mm-hmm. Am I going to hang on to the Cayman or the 928 forever? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's thoughts that I've had, but gosh, what if something comes along that I, I just got to have? Totally, yes. I have to be open to that. And so I think... Approaching it as a, okay, this car is going to stick around until somebody makes me an offer mm-hmm. and that happens mm-hmm. or until I just decide, you know what, it's time for me to move on. Mm-hmm. But ultimately you have to give yourself permission to be able to do that. I think that's key. It, I, I, I love that. Yeah. You have to arrive at that place because for a car to be yanked out of your life, ooh, that's, that's tough. Like I said, it takes yeah. me almost a year to assimilate a new car into my life for it to really feel like mine. <laughs> so we keep swapping cars once a year. They're like, whatever. <laughs> I think having multiple press cars and jumping in and out of so many cars yeah, has yeah. done that to me because it didn't used to be like that. I'd have a new car a day or two and be like, this is mine. It's in. It's done. This is mine. <laughs> well, that, you know, we have cars for a week at a time in and yeah. out of our lives. Yeah. And I have this arm's length distant kind mm. of relationship with it. Do I? Do I want this? How, how do I feel about this car? Yeah, it's not yeah. mine. And so when a new car comes into my life, it takes a while to, That's interesting. to assimilate. And it might take a while for it to exit your life too. So sure. you have to think about that. Keeping forever is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But planning for that from an insurance standpoint and parts, yeah, that's another thought. Mm-hmm. Windshields, parts availability for that old car. All that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, also just life changes. The thing I wanted to think about, Scott, is the fact that it's easy for us with the car disease to go, here's my plan. And we get a lot of those emails. Here's my plan. I'm 25, and these are the cars I'm going to own for the next 20 years of my life. And I, I totally that. did that at 25. Of course. Of course. And I, and I get why that happens. But what we don't mean, and I do mean all of us when I say we, what we don't understand is we don't understand the weird turns that life's going to take. Okay? When I was... 25 and living in Los Angeles. If you'd said to me, you're going to move to Utah, I'd been like, you're insane. Why would I move to Utah? I love living in Utah. Plus, you were thinking about keeping that Caprice forever, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no. 
Well, but but that was the other part of the equation is that I had that 300ZX, my first one. I had it for about a decade. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of wondering, should I get rid of this car? And then we were moving to Utah, and it had no heater, and that was expensive to fix. That's and the right. car was, at the time was worth nothing. It was This was the bottom. I, I so sold at the crazy. bottom of the market. I think I sold that car for roughly about three grand, and I think today it would probably be worth about seven or eight. Jeez. I sold at the bottom of the market. Oh, man. But it was the absolute wrong car for the next stage of our life. Mm -hmm. Okay? We, I'd just become a father. It was very much a two-seater. It was very old. It had it didn't have a driver's airbag. Okay? So now I was a dad thinking about, you know, safety <laughs> things. Okay? Let alone passenger right. airbags. So, so that car exited my life. I didn't plan for it to. We got to a milestone. It was like, it makes sense this car should go. Mm -hmm. not saying that wasn't difficult. It was difficult. I never would have seen... When I bought that car, I'm going to move to Utah, and that's the reason I'll get rid of it. That wasn't on my mind. No part of me was in that, in that headspace. So I find it interesting because we're, we all have the disease. We're restless people because we have the car disease. I really love everything. I, oh, what is that? I like that. <laughs> What's that's, that? that? I hadn't seen one of those What's yet. That shiny, those sugary cool. mound of did fun. You, did you see what got released yesterday? It's coming in a manual. We, yeah. You have yeah. a garage you're thrilled with, and then that happens. It turns your head. So we're always doing that. Yeah. But then there is the side, the side note here that you brought up, Scott, and that is I really think that long-term planning for what cars you're going to own is difficult because 10 years from now, your life, all of you listening, may be totally different than it is now and not anything you planned for. So I think we have to do cars that match our actual usage and lifestyle. Because, look, when I was in Los Angeles, I went rock climbing all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't climb as much anymore. I like it. I don't climb as much anymore. But I do think about something I never thought in Los Angeles, which is, oh, yeah, I need to get winter tires for that. <laughs> that does okay. not cross that people's minds. That never, that never came up. Right. So now I'm thinking differently about wheels and tires and wheel and tire storage. I didn't have extra wheels and tires in L.A. So I think... You have to allow your cars to be affected by your needs in life. It's one of the things we're trying to do here all the time is find you the cars that you like. The other thing is we love tools for jobs. I see, Scott, how your, your perfect garage went from two cars to four cars. Happens easy. <laughs> Happens really easy. Yeah. But, I, but yeah. I'll give you a personal experience. I have that Cayenne that my wife still loves, which is awesome. Right. I have that Lotus that I love. Right. Awesome. Right. But then I bought the BMW Z4 because we needed to cover it for a year. Mm -hmm. So there was car number three. Mm-hmm. Or the Phaeton. That was car number three for a while. Now I actually had a little bit of a mental conundrum of which car should I drive? Which one haven't I driven? Which would be best for the thing that I need to do? The tools for the job can be an albatross as well. Because mm -hmm. now you're like, oh, I haven't driven that in a while. If you have six cars, I think, I think four is where it really gets too much. I can say this personally. My wife and I are the only drivers. When we had <laughs> the Cayenne, the Lotus, the Z4, and then I bought the 300ZX, which we hadn't revealed yet. I literally would stand in my driveway and be like, what should I take? Not to mention when other press cars show oh, up forget, or friends come over for Friday night. Totally. Forget about the fact that press cars showed up that needed Crap. to be driven as well. So that, that is the flip side. Yeah. I love tools for jobs, but I truly believe that if you have more cars than you're driving, something can go. But back to what you started with, Paul, or, and I love it, is just you have to give yourself permission to make changes. There is no perfect garage. There is no list for the next 10 years. I had a conversation with two people in the last week that said the same thing to me. Okay, this is 2021. For those mm -hmm. of you that are either not paying attention or listen years from now, <laughs> I've heard all the same things you have, which is between 2030 and 2035, there'll be no more gas cars sold. I've heard it. I don't think it's going to be a hard and fast rule. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Okay? Yep. But let's just say it is. 
In the last week, I've had two conversations, almost identical, where someone said to me, well, I'm currently shopping for the last gasoline car I will ever buy. Forget what happens yeah. to infrastructure for a second. Let's just assume for the sake of argument that in 2035, that's right. There'll be plenty of electrical infrastructure and we'll all only be able to buy electric cars. Let's just assume that's true. Mm-hmm. You know now you'll never buy another gasoline car? How do you know that? And that was my question for actually one of them that I know a little better. I was like, really? The other person I know yeah. kind of tangentially, so I didn't get into, into it, but you don't know what life's going to be. You don't know what your needs are going to be. You don't yeah. know what cars are going to make you go, I want one of those. If that person that's never going to buy a gasoline car again buys an electric next in the next year, and then 10 years from now, the car that inspired them to be a car person that's a gasoline car they can now afford, are you telling me they really wouldn't go, I did always want one of those? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So allow yourself the permission. And Scott, we've also read articles, many of you have been sending them to us, about EV owners going back to owning a gasoline-powered Sometimes, car. yeah. The statistics were about one, one in five EV owners, which is not nothing. And that was because of the ease of assimilating that EV into their life. It was just like, I am not in a place where I can have good charging mm-hmm. capability, and I, I just can't do it. And so they went back to a gas-powered car. Mm-hmm. And it's always changing, and it will continue to Which change. is fine. There's a, a guy in my neighborhood whose friend told me he bought his last car. He's early to mid-60s. Yeah, you told me about this guy before. He drives a 10-year-old Nissan Frontier Pro 4X. Okay. I'm sure it'll run a long time, but yeah. he's not that old. <laughs> and back to my grandfather who bought a new car when he was 98. Yes. He was always trading and buying. Yeah. And I thought, that's a bold statement, sir. Yeah. You're, you're not that old, and this is your last car ever. What if somebody hits you? What if it gets crushed or pushed off a cliff and you're not even in it and something happens? (laughs) Really? You're telling me that? By the way, Scott, I found out that my HOA (laughs) thought that I was running a VRBO out of my house (laughs) because of all the cars in the driveway. Constantly changing cars in the drive. Of course you are. It kind of had to do with this past summer when we had, well, I had six cars in the driveway because there were some for shoots with some extra press cars mm-hmm. and then my three in the garage and the SLK had not yet gone away. You had six in the So I had, well, I had nine total at the house and I opened up my garage mm-hmm. doors and people drive by and like, what on earth? Yeah. And you had so three in your garages and then you had six in the drive. <laughs> yeah. Some new neighbors moving into the neighborhood stopped in the street uh-huh. and I just happened to be out washing or doing something and they're like, <laughs> who are you? What do you do? We simply have to meet you. What do you do? <laughs> Come over for come over for drinks on July fourth. Come on over for drinks, and they had me over for drinks, That's, and then I explained. Everybody's like, "Oh, but yeah, apparently I was running a VRBO you, because you are of all the cars." A VRBO. You're not running a brothel though, so that's good. Whew. When the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from Covercraft. Their custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield. I mean, perfectly fit for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy, and fold up wonderfully for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including the original awesome silver one, Premier Series, and Carhartt. Covercraft offers dash mat custom dash covers as well, custom fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. They reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the original carpet dash mat, suede mat, velour mat, and the extremely popular limited edition. 
whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, remember you need to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com for our audience. You can find Covercraft by following the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Speaking of best laid plans, Alec is writing in and telling us he had it all figured out and now it's all gone wrong. Wow. The supply chains are crushing Alec's dreams. <laughs> but I also think, sorry, I, I know I'm, I'm foreshadowing here and I'm a little bit of spoiler alert, but I also don't think he's thought this through properly. Oh, okay. When I hear the okay. pieces of this puzzle, I, I'm surprised he ended up where he thinks he should be, but we'll get into it. Well, the backstory here is that Alex started listening to the podcast back in the spring. He needed a break from COVID news and politics. By the way, we all needed that break from COVID news and politics. Yeah. He had just gotten back from an amazing experience called Wookiees in the Woods. Uh, sorry. I don't know what that is. That was a Wookiee noise. Not a great one, but it was a Wookiee <laughs> noise. It's the annual meeting of the VW Golf R Enthusiast Club at Fontana Dam in North Carolina and Tennessee on the Tail of the Dragon, among other legendary roads. He has been invited many times, but after they learned that they would be having their second child, congratulations, mm -hmm. his wife took pity, pity on him and made it a priority for him to attend. It's technically the R32s, which sound a little bit like Wookiees, and it's Volkswagen parlance and blah, 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 blah. We had an R32 on the Utah meetup. And yeah, we did. Driven fast and did sound a little bit like a Wookiee. I'll give you that. I had no idea. A little bit, yeah. How lovely. When Alec got back to Denver and hopped into his 2019 Toyota 4Runner TRD Off-Road Premium, okay. he nearly burst into tears on the ride back to his house from wow. the airport parking lot because of the pontoon boat-esque ride. You have just described for me, Alec, the exact opposite of what we want, which is you look back at your car because you just got out of it and you think, that's mine. You got in your yeah. car and it made you sad. You should not be bursting into tears all when you get bad. back in your own that's car. It's all bad. So within a week of getting back from this trip, he test drove a 2017 Golf R, mm -hmm. but he says it was too impulsive of a move for him to follow through on. He wasn't quite sure it was an appropriate fit for their needs. And a little while later... He had the opportunity to test drive a Mustang Mach-E. Okay. Friend is a Ford salesperson. He wanted to start, go down the EV route for efficiency. Mm -hmm. He says environmental reasons. He said it spawned the master plan. Oh, no. Sell the 4Runner at the top of the market. Yes. Get the Mach-E with profits from the 4Runner as a down payment for $11,000. And then use the tax credit money to buy a mature utility car that could handle their white water rafting hobby. Okay. Storage and seating and towing. And his significant outings to Home Depot. <laughs> what are you building, Alex? No kidding. Alex building a huge thing here with significant outings to Home Depot. Wow. All right. I wow. go to Home Depot in the Lotus sometimes. I don't buy big stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, but I know, go in the, with the Lotus. I buy bolts. Exactly. Nuts. Totally. Now, Alec put his order in and deposit for the Mach-E in July of 2021. They came across a nice option for the mature utility vehicle in a 2008 Mazda CX-9 with 140,000 miles. For eight grand. Wow, okay. Now, his wife hated being down to one car, and the options to borrow cars in their social circle for a few months fell through. Mm. So then they decided they would use the forerunner money on the Mazda and the savings to cover the down payment for the Mach-E until they backfill <laughs> with a tax credit in 2022. <laughs> what? Everyone else confused? It's, <clears throat> it's just a money shuffle. It's a budgetary money shuffle. Yeah. He's liking the CX-9 as the utility car, but pontoon boat is an understatement in terms of the ride. Uh-huh. So he went from one boat to another. He yep. says it's not the daily driver solution for the long haul. Mm -hmm. 
Disaster struck the week of his email to us when Ford sent him an email to notify him that his order would not be fulfilled in 2021. His friend at the dealership let him know that Mach-E's in particular are being delayed across the board because of the aforementioned part shortages, not chips, but other things. And so Alex shakes his fist at the sky while cursing supply chain majors. Well, but also, here's the other thing, is that this has happened to the Bronco as well. Mm-hmm. We know multiple people that follow this show that have deposits on a Bronco, and they have a couple of them have shared with us. In fact, Chris came with us on the Utah meetup, and he showed us his hang-in-there hammock. That Ford sent out. They knew everybody was angry, and so everybody that was waiting, they sent them a hammock to hang in there. Somebody. That's too good. Somebody was That's super excited about that idea. good. Yeah, so, so they're being slowed down as well. Well, Alex's master plan takes a serious hit because they will lose the $2,500 of tax credit that expires in Colorado after 2021 ends. Mm. They're not entirely sure they can wait until 2023 to backfill their savings with the remaining $7,500 if that even remains a benefit by then. Okay. He says... Well, they could, but the Minister of Finance must be aware that constituent anxiety is a major metric of job performance, so that's not an easy choice to make. So he is the Minister of Finance, but he's aware that the natives are restless, essentially, yeah. <laughs> he's got four options. As far as he knows. I, I, I don't it, agree, by the it, way. As Alec, far as he knows right yeah. now. First of all, should he be patient with the maki, put up with the anxiety of a lean savings account for a year? He says waiting increases the down payment due mm-hmm. to not having a car payment right now, which sure. maybe covers the lost state tax credit. Waiting is also the hardest part, he is told. Mm-hmm. Second option, give up on the mach Look for a cheaper daily that's fun to drive along the lines of a Golf R, mm-hmm. which he's now seeing as at an affordable price, low 30s for 2017s with about thirty to 40,000 miles. Option number three, change gears entirely. Switch directions. Shift over to a Ford F-150 Lightning that will arrive next fall, sell the CX-9, put that money into the down payment while accepting that he's not really getting the fun car he was thinking of, Mm -hmm. but one he says that has utility, EV status, and a cool factor. Okay. Option number four, he points at us. Something totally cool that he hasn't thought about yet that he might be able, that we might be able to suggest. I will take door number four, Alec. That sounds like the door for me. Go through door number four. Hit it. Alec, look, I, mm, the big thing here that kind of gets skipped over, that you start with and then you walk away from, and this is where I'm confused. You said you went to Wookiees in the Woods. People have invited you for come for years. You went and you had kind of an awakening. You loved being there. You loved being in these cars. You were so thrilled. You said you nearly burst into tears in your sport utility vehicle when you got back. Yeah, yeah. And then in the next paragraph, so the c- conclusion is you're going to buy an electric SUV. Anything that isn't a Golf R is what I'm hearing. I'm very confused. <laughs> my, my head hurts a bit. <laughs> keep you going. Said, keep you going. said you drove a 2017 <clears throat> Golf R, but you said you don't, don't know if it fits your needs. But you haven't been clear enough with us on what your needs are for the daily to me understand why the Golf R didn't work. But the big thing that's interesting is there's two steps here. Step one is you had an amazing time with these fun cars. Step two is you came home and hated your car. Step three is you thought about those fun cars for five minutes and then bought another thing like the thing you hate. I'm confused. When you use logic, it seems I feel, very different, doesn't I, it? I feel, I feel bad for you there, Alec. And, and the key thing here is, look, the CX-9 is solving your utility problem. 
I'm not going to suggest some small, tiny sports car because you've even debated if a Golf R would work. And let's be honest, the Golf R is fun, and it has a ton of usable space, and it's easy to commute in, and it's nice to be in. Mm -hmm. So getting you some tiny little two-door sports car, which I'd love to have you in because I think that's fun you still haven't even experienced yet, I'd love to get you in that. But let's actually talk about it in terms of that Golf R because the big thing that I think here when I, when I hear about this, you, you give us actually your list of cars that you've owned. You had a 90s Camaro. You had a 90s Mustang GT. Mm -hmm. Those are the, mm -hmm. the most fun-focused cars you've owned. You had an Impreza RS. So that was a cool Great. car. You actually modified that as well. This is the most fun you've had, but you've never really had a really great modern car dynamically. Mm -hmm. You've had SUVs. Wookiees in the Wood got you all excited. Here's the thing. You planned out your perfect world, and it's all gone awry. I don't think the Mach-E is the answer here. I don't think the Lightning's the answer, unless, and you haven't been this specific, you're buying an electric car, full stop. You haven't said that because you're still eyeing other options. So I don't think the Mach-E is the answer. The Mach-E is expensive. It's great. It's very, very good. Agreed. And anybody yeah. says to me, I'm thinking about a Mach-E, I say to them, go get that because you will like it. <laughs> you'll just but, be waiting, apparently. But yeah, you'll be waiting. But you're probably going to spend fifty grand on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's not a dynamic <laughs> feeling like a Golf R. It's cool, but now you'll have two SUVs, and what you wanted was to get rid of yours when you got home. We got to solve that, man. So you need to drive the Veloster N. That's great. Yeah. You think the Golf R was fun? Yeah. The Veloster yeah. N is fun first, and everything else afterward. But guess what? Then you look around and you realize this wasn't that expensive. Yeah. You're going to spend yeah. thirty grand on a new one. You're looking at 2017 Golf R's for thirty. Get yourself a new Veloster N for thirty. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. got plenty of capability. It's got plenty of usable space, and it is quite fun. If that's not adult enough for you, then you shop Mazda three Turbo. Thank you. Yes, I I would say to anybody, get that over a used Golf R. I know you and I kind of disagreed on that, but we were but we were close on it. We were close enough that it comes down to personal choice at this point. Yep. And it, it was almost a tire discussion at this point. Uh, to some degree, it was. You could. You decide none of these are fun enough because, also, Alec, I'm here to be your bad influence. You need some fun to drive. Yeah. Drive the Civic Type R. Just drive it. <laughs> yes. You may have said never in a million yes. years would I get that car. It looks ridiculous. I'm not going to buy it. <clears throat> Just go drive that. You liked Golf R's in the woods? Go drive a Civic Type R in your local area and get out of that and tell me that it wasn't fun. Because it, it may be absurd, it may not be for you, but they're quite fun. However, I think I have your car. Okay. Because what you're really leaning toward is, I need big. I need almost SUV style. I need a lot of space. Okay. Big sedans, my friend. You need handling in your life. You need something that is fun. You're eyeing the Golf R and SUVs. I'm wondering if partially because you kind of think you want all-wheel drive. True. Okay. Go get a Kia Stinger. <clears throat> And have a nice life. <laughs> Everyone that's not a forever car, but no, yeah. it isn't. But, but I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. want a daily that's fun. You want some. Clearly, you've told us you want some hauling capability of some kind. It's not an SUV. It's fantastic dynamically. It, you can get it with all wheel drive. You can get a used one well within your thirty grand budget. You're spending far less than that Mach E. I would also say this to you. Let's say an EV's in your future. You want an EV. Let the market settle itself a bit. Right. Both in chips and all, just the fact that the tech's changing so fast. I think you should get yourself a Kia Stinger 
and have all the dynamics you need and almost SUV capability as far as space is concerned. And you'll get in a car when you get back from the airport the next time you go to Wookiees in the Wood and be like, I like my car. All those choices are fantastic. Alec, I'm in full agreement. It comes down to preference, but all of those are magical. They're fun, Mm -hmm. and I do think they'll fit your needs. But there's some some things I want to talk to you about that you've kind of talked around. They're not cars. First of all, this tax credit. Mm -hmm. I want to caution you against trying to force a tax credit into your budget planning Mm. because you don't feel a tax credit, whether you have one or you get one, however large or small it is, you don't feel that in the monthly cash flow budget. This is true. Yeah. You'll never feel it. Mm-hmm. It'll never shake out to how you, well, we're getting that tax credit. So it's okay if I spend more out of the monthly budget, the cash flow, the actual, mm. this is the income and the outgo kind of money. I want to caution you against conflating the two and making one try to fit into the cash flow because it is not. Mm. You'll barely feel it when you come to do your taxes. You, you, maybe. Well, but even if they put it all in savings, there's this weird juggling act going on budget-wise that says try to make it work because we have the credit yeah. now and the, ooh, that's hard. I want you to almost forget about it mm. because it's going to be a cherry on top if and when it comes, mm. however that comes. That's good. But trying to plan your purchase and pay more money now just to get a theoretical tax credit or the scraps of what remains in 2021 mm. for a tax credit. That doesn't seem like wise financial planning to me. And I know that's crazy coming out of my mouth. It is weird. It is weird. But it, but it also makes your buying options as a car person skewed for weird reasons. That makes you, uh, it forces you to experience the tyranny of the urgent. You have mm. to do it right now. And you're not freed from that because of this looming tax credit. So let it go. Mm. If it comes, great. If it doesn't, fine. But it doesn't affect your monthly budget, your car payments. Mm. You'll never feel it in your car payments and what comes in and what goes out on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. especially with having kids. And it sounds like to me, you're used to having car payments and you're willing to have car payments. Let the tax credit happen later on and fine. We got a refund. Mm. It goes to something for the house. Fine. Sure. Sure. You New dishwasher, a deck, a kitchen. Why? Who cares? <laughs> right? Yeah. The there will always be is, something. Yeah. Yes. The second point is buying for the future. You're talking to us about cool factor, which means you're also the... Uh, under this, uh, that, that thing out there, that's the future. I, I just want to have the lightning just because it can be cool and well, you're going to be paying for it. Mm-hmm. And it might not come when you think it is because mm-hmm. clearly the Mach-E <laughs> did happened not. already. Yeah. So you're saying, well, what if I just go ahead and wait? No, you have needs now. That's true. Solve yeah. your One needs now. now. Yeah. Because if you don't, you'll cry every time you get into any car and it's not the golf R mm. it's just like the email when people write to us and say, da, 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 looking at these cars. I've always wanted a Corvette, but never mind that. And then mm-hmm. here's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah. It's the question behind the question. You, you who, anybody who is in sales know that there's the question behind the question. Yeah. You're yeah. telling me one thing, but that's not really what you care about. Mm. What you care about over here is how it affects anything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you need to be looking at. You're telling us, ah, golf R's are pretty awesome. I can't have one. I shouldn't. I'll go ahead and look at anything else. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you not why, why are you not shopping for a golf R? I hear that for sure. Priority numero uno, my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. Nine elevens. I've always wanted a nine eleven, but nah, I shouldn't. So I was looking at Camry. Wait, wait, hang on. What wait, happened? Screech. Record scratch. 
I want you to be freed up from mm-hmm. the future of cars right now mm. because we're in not only the strange, strange transition from what people think is gas to electric and there will never be gas cars again. Let's just say the chip shortage hadn't happened. Mm. You're still under this, what, what should I get? Who am yeah, I? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is the chip shortage. It's affecting all cars. Mm-hmm. There really isn't an end in sight. Everybody thinks there will be, but they're saying 18 to 22 months. You cannot plan your purchasing decisions for a car to solve your need for fun and your need for a growing family right now. Well, that's the big the thing that comes out of this. He says that they down to one car. His wife doesn't like it. They thought they were going to borrow cars from friends. That hasn't worked out. You have one car. Side note, that 08 Mazda uh, CX-9, yeah. that was probably built in 07. So that's a 14-year-old car right now. And the CX-9 yeah. definitely got better since then. Absolutely, it did. I believe yeah. it's a boat. But yeah. you've parked your money. Well, maybe. But, okay, maybe but it goes down But they need two cars, bit. and they don't have two cars. That's right. the big thing I keep seeing. Right. And we're talking about six months to a year before we maybe get the thing we're looking at. All that to say, Alec, is I think you should solve the fun right now. Mm. Go get that Golf R. Go shop for one. Get it. Mm. Get it. Because now that you'll have it, now you can solve the, whatever family car needs come your way, whether it's mm, electric, whether mm. it's gas, that'll be off your mind because you're going to be having fun. You're, it will assimilate into your life. They're very useful. They're mm-hmm. fun to drive. Absolutely. Get that car or any of the ones Todd suggested, which I love, and now go shop. Okay, so that Mach-E, we'll, we'll just go ahead and hang on. Or if we don't get that tax credit now, we'll get it later. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're cool. Mm-hmm. It'll come when it comes. But we don't have to pay anything right now because you still have that CX-8 and you'll have your new Golf R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your needs will be solved yeah. at the moment yeah. and then we'll wait. That F-150 Lightning, as quick and amazing as it will be, isn't a small sports car. No. That, that's the craziest thing about this is I, care drives. I would like a small something I and care. I keep coming home and buying SUVs. We got to connect the dots there, man, for sure. Maybe you stay on the waiting list for the Mach-E and when it comes, wonderful. And then at that point, guess what? You'll have your favorite, the Golf R and a Mach-E. Maybe you can get rid of the CX-9 and get the Mach-E. That's Ooh, what I'm saying. Craziness. Get rid of it. When, yeah. when it comes, yeah, yeah, for sure. you'll have that money parked. You'll yeah. sell it for whatever that is. And in the meantime, you'll just still be squirreling money away towards that new purchase. Maybe, yeah. The waiting does suck. Absolutely. It's, it's hard. very hard. It's very hard. But to get to that goal, I want you to have fun. We want you to have fun. Absolutely. You your thirst to be slaked here. Yeah. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Thank you guys, as always, for sending in questions. There's a, quite a few good ones here. I'm going to dive into a couple of them, and uh, let's see. There's a question here about the cost of our cars of the past. We're going to cover that in upcoming videos, so I'm actually not going to steal that right now. Then I have Lance Young writing in on Twitter with a comment that I'm scratching my head about a bit. His, here's his thing. He bought a first-gen, an NA Miata. 
that has no power steering, and now all he feels is the tires being out of balance. Should he put in a power steering rack to help? No, you should not. <laughs> I, yeah. this, that's a weird yeah. solve. That's a weird solve to me. What you need to do is you need to find somebody who can properly balance those tires. And I will give you personal experience on this. The Lotus, which we all know I rant about because I love it, and doesn't have power steering, that car is susceptible like nothing I've ever driven to pr- improperly balanced wheels and tires. And if you get up to above about 60 miles an hour, it's violent if the tires are out of balance. Mm-hmm. Wow, and when yeah. I first got the car, first got my first set of tires, they were never quite balanced right. And they were done by a shop that I actually trusted, but they couldn't get them right. So I started going to a different shop. And now the place that, that we get a lot of our work done on there, they know me. They know the car. They've worked on it. They've done great work. I don't, don't have any issues there. But I still, when I come in with new tires, I say to them, guys, honestly, these have got to be perfect because this car is violently it shakes violently at freeway speeds if the tires are out of balance. Mm. And they have nailed it. Mm. But I've driven the car without that. So what you need to do, Lance, is you need to find somebody that can properly balance those tires. Because what you're talking about now is putting in something the car didn't come with and mm-hmm. trying to make mm-hmm. sure that's done properly to solve a problem with the car that should have already been done properly. <laughs> that's great. Danny Fields also writes to us about thoughts, our thoughts on mods that fix shortcomings the car has from the manufacturer. This can be a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. If it's something older and a part isn't available, or truly it is an upgrade. I'll give you an example with the 928. Mm-hmm. Porsche used cork seals back in the day. It didn't really have silicone. <laughs> True, yes. That kind of upgrade, that kind of mod, sure. Many shops won't even touch a cork seal. They don't want, you know, keep yes. it all OEM. We're not putting cork on that oil pan <laughs> gasket. <laughs> no, we'll do silicone, we'll do RTV, we'll do yeah. something else. yeah, yeah. So if it's that kind of thing, but usually modern cars, pretty you know, within 10 years, you can get all those OEM parts and they're still great. If it's a car going way back, like our two mm-hmm. origin cars, yeah, yeah. maybe they don't make the part anymore and maybe it makes it safer, better, more reliable for the future, mm-hmm. but it's a slippery slope. Be careful. What do you want to come away with? Yeah. Is it just get it back to OEM and it just works and reliable or am I going past that? That's... The, the differentiator. I did this with my FRS. We've talked about it with the 86. The car was known to have that terrible torque dip, and there were a million ways you could solve it. Right. Okay? And I did the base ways I could do it. I did header and exhaust, and actually the exhaust was just noise. The header helped a little bit, but the main thing that did it was a tune, and that mostly flattened that torque curve and actually made the car more drivable. But it didn't make it more powerful. Mm-hmm. It just made it mm-hmm. more drivable. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is I stopped there. And I did feel like this resolved something I didn't like in the factory tuning. Hmm. But the very easy next discussion was, why don't I get a supercharger? Why don't I make a turbocharger? And there, were some, there are some good kits out there for that first Gen 86. But almost everybody that did that found the car to be significantly less reliable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a trade-off. This is the slippery slope you're talking about. And plus, keep this in mind. We, we talk about tuning out of class. The header and... I'll just talk about the things that actually fixed things. The header and the tune mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all in was like two grand. I could not have gotten. You also stopped right there. Exactly. I could not have gotten <laughs> as far as tuning the car. I mean, look, I did wheels and stuff that I sure, liked. Sure. But I could not have gotten a better car dynamically than what I did putting two grand into my $20,000 used FRS. And I was very happy. I could have done all kinds of stuff. But now we have to ask the price question. <laughs> 
Petrolhead 2003 asks if we think OEMs, especially the, those that already have performance driving schools, should start offering driver education rather than the DMV or mm. federal transportation agencies. So you're saying take it private rather than a, a governmental agency. Should more OEMs in general start offering driver education? Maybe. I like that most car manufacturers offer the performance driving schools, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's for loyalists. It is. And people that want to better their driving and they already know how to for drive. Sure. Yeah. For sure. But how about instead of that, the tire companies started doing this. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Let's not have the car companies because on tires, it doesn't matter what you drive. You drive some front-wheel mm -hmm. drive car. We've got something in our fleet. We've probably that's matched good. pretty close to something that's you already good. have on. How about, it? yep, we got minivans. We've got SUVs. We've got a whole selection of cars. Let's put you in tires and show you what tires can do because mm -hmm. that will change your driving more than, hey, it's the 400-horsepower mega awesome thing. Great. I can't really afford it, and I'm just doing the performance driving school as a fun birthday gift. Mm -hmm. How about the tire companies? Because like then you'll that. be loyal for life. You will truly feel that in a number of different things. I've never heard of tire companies offering driver education mm. and to know what are my stopping distances in this kind of weather on our new tire mm. that we've mm. specifically designed for this? Here's your stopping distance. If you don't, here's competitor X. We slid off into the dirt. <laughs> Speaking of tire questions, Rescue Pet Motorsports has one about bikes. He says, I keep seeing these oversized fat tires on mountain bikes. He's essentially saying, what's up with those? Let me tell you a couple things, because we're starting to see them here as well. We actually see them a lot. But here's what's going on. Those wider tires were intended for sand, mud, and snow. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. it's a fat, wider tire. Like if you ever see a sand a dune buggy or whatever, or somebody that goes crazy off-road into the snow, they put on really fat tires with lower tire pressures because it spreads out the weight. This, is, this allows people in Park City area, for example, we see them all the time, they mountain bike all winter. They might mountain bike when there's currently snowing and there's powder on the ground because those big fat tires widen out, which is great. And I'd love to have it, but it's a whole different bike setup. You've got to have much wider forks. The, the whole frame itself has got to be built for those tires. I've also seen some people, because these bikes are every bit as expensive as a full suspension bike, I've also seen some people that ride them year-round because they typically are hardtails and the really soft tires do the work that the suspension kind of does. Mm -hmm. But what it's for is it's for, it's intended to be for those soft surfaces that you're riding through and those tires solve it. There's a brief topic Tuesday here from Revs oh, good. Up. Good. I'm glad. I want to talk we'll, about this. We'll finish up on this. And that is passing on two lane highways. <laughs> yeah. Revs Up was driving with his wife between Kansas City back to Des Moines on Highway 69 between Osceola and Indianola. Long sweeping curves and on a two-lane road, he had to pass cars, mm -hmm. multiple, sometimes more than one in a single pass. Okay. But after they got home, he and his wife talked about the diversion and not sure how they ended up at this point. But she said when she's doing the speed limit and somebody passes her like he did to all those other cars, she considers them a jerk. Mm. He tried to explain that he likes to take curves faster than other people, so he wanted to pass. And all the passes, he says, mind you, were legal, safe, and completed in the space allotted. Mm-hmm. But he said when he wanted to pass other cars, she said, yeah, a jerk. So he's asking us, is he a jerk? <laughs> Revs up high because your wife is now listening. <laughs> so this is, this is rakes and landmines, my friend. <laughs> and this is not just giving you ammo for no, no, an no, argument. No. That's no, not the absolutely. point. It's not what's intended. But this is something we've talked about before. And that is this interesting thing that goes on. And I, I'm going to put it as an American phenomenon. I guess it exists elsewhere. But I've ridden with people 
family members, friends that feel this way. They will drive in the left lane, the left lane. I'm not talking two lane roads. I'm talking split highway now, but the left lane, the fast lane. Okay. And they're doing roughly the speed limit. Yeah. And they never get out of the left lane and they never get right. And so people are passing them on the right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's my question for your wife. Would she have said you're a jerk for passing that way because they're going fast enough? I have heard this come out of people's mouths that park in the left lane Mm. that won't get over because I'm going plenty fast enough. There's a weird pride thing we take in our driving. I don't think you're a jerk, but I fully understand why your wife thinks that's a jerk move because, well, the speed limit is 55. I'm going 55. Why would anyone want to go faster? Right. We're in the middle of nowhere. The speed limit, let's be honest in this country, it's a suggestion. Yeah. Nobody's getting executed yes. for not doing the speed limit. If you're willing to pay the fines, you can drive faster. Pay to play. Everybody that drives has a different level of comfort. Yes. My father has a Corvette. My mother drives it faster than he does. He's perfectly happy with that. He doesn't drive it quickly at all. I love that she drives it. I do too. Paul and I have gained far more comfort at speed than we had when we started this show. Yeah. But I would say, with few exceptions because we're human, when we drive quickly, we do it very safely. But I am certain that people I've passed or people that have ridden with me would say, wow, you're driving much faster than I think you should be. And I'm over there going, I'm driving well within everything that feels comfortable to the situation in the car. Mm -hmm. This is a very personal slippery slope. It is. And revs up, that's because you cannot point to a common denominator as the speed limit, even though it is, and it should be, and it feels like it. The common denominator is many. Mm. It's somebody's comfort level and experience in a car. It's the capability of tires on that car. It's the capability of the car. One car might just easily be able to pass something with zero issues, Mm -hmm. whereas another car might struggle Mm-hmm. and be unsafe because it doesn't have enough power to That's get good. out of the way. That's good. Yeah. So there's multiple common denominators that you just, it's hard to say. And that's why Todd said, it. you're right. It's a personal thing at that point. If you feel like you wrote, wrote that you can do it within the time space and mm-hmm. you know complete the passing, I don't see a problem because if you're out front and you can see and you're moving five, 10 over the speed limit, well, that's, that seems safe to me. You, you've got a long sight line. Mm-hmm. Rather than being stuck behind a truck. And then if you're stuck behind somebody, guess what happens to your emotions? Mm-hmm. They go up. They, you get angry. You get frustrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not thinking about driving. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about, ah, this person. When you're out front, when you're, you've passed somebody, ah, life is good. I'm mm-hmm. moving again. I'm you're moving much more relaxed. Clip. Absolutely. I'm relaxed. Yeah. I'm focused on my driving. I'm not frustrated. Life is good. Favorite music. Things are better. Mm. I think you're in better control of the car at that point. Mm. So it's hard to say, well, because you went over the speed limit, you're a jerk. And you passed me because you're a jerk. Well, it, it's everybody's personal preference. That's really what it does come Absolutely. down to. And also, no passing in history was ever done at the speed limit. <laughs> this is true. If, if you, is you're true. driving along, lots of two-lane roads, this happens. You're driving along, and there's a car up front. And maybe they're doing right at the speed limit. But there's a backlog of six cars behind them. Technically, the person out front is going as fast as conditions are supposed to allow. But obviously, because we're all bottlenecked behind them now, they're not going as fast as the people behind them. Mm -hmm. But the person up front rarely ever is going to use the many labeled turnouts to let all the people behind go by. Which is 
part of the driving rules. Yes. Please let faster cars by. That person should be able to recognize I should pull over. But what normally happens, and I'm saying this because I've been there and I've also sat with people who feel like defiant about this. I'm doing the speed limit. I'm yeah. going just fine fast enough. Yeah. So why are there 10 people back there? Maybe they are all jerks, but you know what? Let the jerks buy. But <laughs> sure. then if there's a broken sure. line, the broken line is there for passing. And I'm not advocating speeding, but I do think about a 55 mile an hour speed limit. If you go 56, you're technically a lawbreaker. Sure. You're going the speed limit, but no, 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 no. You're one over. You're but, two over. You're five, six. You're still technically a lawbreaker. So it's hard to equivocate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going the speed limit and I'm doing my thing versus, all right, I'm eight over, but I'm still just as safe, maybe safer because I'm feeling good. I'm in control. My tires are good. My car is powerful. Like I've got, you know, good conditions and Uh I'm in control. That to me is a safe driver. Well, the person that does the speed limit on a freeway in Los Angeles that's currently moving is now the dangerous one. Yes. It's it's not hard and fast. This isn't anywhere close to black and white because if you're doing if you're doing fifty five in LA in a freeway that <laughs> is not currently mowed. stop and go, you are the, the rock in the stream that everyone is flowing around at yes. eighty. And if they don't do it right, that's a problem. Now I am not look, you could absolutely argue, but I was doing the speed limit. Yeah, but you're gonna get completely mowed down by somebody. <laughs> It's hard. This is why the flow of traffic discussion happens in driver training, where it's about going with the flow of traffic is is like the caveat to speed limits. Oh, this is tough. This we could is go really on. tough. That, that is a Topic Tuesday because it does go on, revs up. We do like Topic Tuesdays and car conclusions and most of all car debates. Send those to our email, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. But I love it. If you've got thoughts on your mind, yeah, social media is totally fine too. So. Thank you guys for all your questions. We really appreciate it. This could go on forever. I know we've got you (laughs) thinking. Cheers, everybody. (laughs) 